a father to this house, uh, an amazing man of God. I, I get personally so pumped when I know you're going to speak because, man, um, it's always meat. It's always meat. You know, you always hear about the milk and the meat. And Papa Don has uh, a life of learning and loving and experiencing the goodness of God and his faithfulness. And uh, I think of, uh, um, you probably have bad knees. I'm thinking of old camel knees, the, the, the uh, uh, slang name for Peter. And they call him old camel knees because he was always on his knees praying. That's how I picture Papa Don, because he's just such a man of God, such an amazing blessing. He's an overseer here at the church, as long as Michael, and um, just brings so much uh, prayer and love and care to this congregation. So would you help me welcome Papa Don Finto. When somebody says stuff like that, I always think of that I, my prayer that I'll just uh, be as good as my best friends think I am. <laughs> and better, you know. But uh, I, I, um, this, is, this is Pentecost Sunday. There are a lot of things that are going on right now, and so I don't expect to have a real ordered message because there's so much things going on that I feel like I need to speak to. And that one of them is that it's Pentecost Sunday. And it's really rare that Pentecost Sunday on the Christian calendar and Shavuot on the biblical Jewish calendar come on the same day. But they are today. I mean, I, I, let me explain for some of you who don't know what I'm talking about. When it, came, when it all culminated in Constantine in the early 4th century when the church had become so anti-Jewish by that time, even though the early believers were all Jewish, every single one of them until you get to Cornelius were Jewish, but the church by the early fourth century had become so anti-Jewish that the emperor called together the Nicene Council and part of why he called them together was to get the church off of the biblical calendar onto a calendar that, so that, so that the church doesn't normally celebrate Passover on Passover. They celebrate, they celebrate it on, not the biblical Passover, they celebrate it on Good Friday. And they don't celebrate the resurrection three days after Passover, but they celebrate it on Easter. That all happened with Constantine. But we are living in a generation of people who are beginning to wait, wait a minute, there's a biblical calendar. And the interesting thing is that today, this Pentecost and Shavuot, which is the Hebrew word for Pentecost, comes together on the same day. So one of the things I want to pray in Jesus' name is God's in the calendar, and it's important to him. So I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will be right in here with us right now, and that the Holy Spirit will begin to move in this assembly right now in doing all kinds of things, if there's anything at all that you need, whether it's finances or overcoming some, some besetting sin or a relationship thing or healing or whatever it is, let us invite in Jesus' name the Holy Spirit to be among us and to move among us and do whatever he wants to do. And then, and then let me move into some of the things that I'm seeing and 
pull that together, but let God speak more. I, I, I wrote down two phrases from the early songs. And, uh, and one of the things that, one of the reasons I wrote them down is because this is so right. I'm surrounded by you. But see, you can say those words and sing them a thousand times, but never really move into, in your spirit, that you're surrounded by him. Those are not just liturgical words. Those are reality. And, and we need, when we say words, we need, to, we need to, to speak them and we need to receive them. And um, so, 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 Lord, we invite you to come. We invite you to come and be with us right now and to move among us in whatever way you want to move among us. Now, I, the next place I want to go, which I think all connects here somehow, there's something that's going on in, in, in Nashville, Middle Tennessee that we all need to connect to. And it was highlighted to me when Francis Chan was in town, what, about a week ago, Youth with a Mission had some meetings over Belmont Church over Music Row, and Francis Chan was one of the persons who was there and I don't, I've never been in a meeting with Francis Chan. You may not even know the, na the name. But he's a speaker that is, he is off the chart in some ways. In fact, I think I said this to you. But uh, this is why I'm saying I get little sidetracks. Um, I doubt that any of us can move totally and fully into who we are in Jesus, who he wants us to be if we're not a little bit on the godly weird side. Godly edgy side. I challenge you to find one biblical hero who wasn't a bit godly weird, who didn't jump out of boxes. God is not into dwelling in boxes. And so I challenge you to, right now, even let the Holy Spirit speak to you in that. There may be something right now that you have felt like you're supposed to be doing and it just feels so different that, but if it's godly, go for it. I'm not talking about being weird for the sake of weird. I'm talking about being godly, edgy. And do whatever, give, give away something if God's telling you to give away. Go, one of the things I want us to do when we, get, when we get to the end of this message is I want to open it up for the Holy Spirit to move among us so that you may be thinking about this already, that there may be somebody in this room that you've got an encouraging word for and you haven't been giving it to them. If it's not going to hurt anything, give it to them. Risk speaking what you feel that God is speaking. Let the Holy Spirit move among us. So one of the things that's been happening, Francis got up Friday night a week or so ago over at Belmont Church when he was speaking, and the first thing he did was he read the third verse of Revelation 1, which says, blessed are those who read and blessed are those who hear read the bo this book of prophecy. And he stopped and he said, did you hear that? Reading the book of Revelation, there's a blessing on it. And, it. and hearing it read, there's a blessing on it. How many have ever been in any kind of group that read the book of Revelation? And there were almost none. Now, we, there are some of us that were. 
And the week before, we had had this thing, and this is why I feel like that God is saying something to us here in Middle Tennessee about exalting the Word. And if I had one way to title what I'm talking about, I'm going to talk about leaning into God's Word. And so he, say, so he challenged people to read, read the Word. Well, it triggered something in me that had, that had sort of lain dormant. I remember the, the one time when I when I felt like I needed to start praying out loud when I could, not just pray silently. And let me tell you, the first time I did it, I started weeping, hearing myself what I was praying. Because I was not only speaking prayer, I, mean, I was not only praying, I was speaking my prayers and my ears were hearing my own prayer. I want to challenge you as much as you can. I know you can't always do this. And honestly, it takes body energy. It's more full body reading. But I want to challenge you as much as you possibly can to begin to read, when you read the word, to read it out loud. Because you'll get a double blessing. You'll not only read it, but you'll be hearing it read by your own mouth. And so there's, there is strength in that. And I begin to look at scripture. And for example, there's a, I, I, I don't even know that I ever had paid that much attention to 1 Timothy 4.13 which says, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of the word. And one of the things I'm going to do when I get over, when I get a little further into here, I'm going to read from Acts 2. And I, I considered reading the whole chapter, but I at least want to pull pieces out of Acts 2 because this is, the, this is Shavuot, this is Pentecost Sunday in Acts 2. And we're, we're today in the celebration of it. And most churches won't even touch the fact probably in the, that it's Pentecost Sunday. And yet God is in the calendar. And so, so, and then in Colossians, the fourth chapter, verse 16, Paul says, I want you to read this letter aloud to the community of believers. And when you get it read to Colossae, I want you to take it over to Laodicea and read it aloud there. And then there are all kinds of other, other kinds of things where, where Paul, in the synagogues, I mean, if anybody have ever been to an Orthodox synagogue, they read the entire Torah portion out loud in Hebrew for that day. The entire, I mean, it takes, it's chapters. And I would say that 98% of the people that are in there don't really understand what they're reading because they're reading it in Hebrew. But they've but they are doing something which is right. They pr probably would be better to read it in English. But, but I'm, I'm just saying there is strength in reading the word out loud. But then the other thing is, and, and Francis was challenging this with this as well, is when you read a passage, don't just, don't just read it and, 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 and keep reading. If it tells you to do something, stop and do it. I remember one time I was... Over in the old uh, my Caleb quarters over at Belmont, when I still had an office over there, and I was reading. I think it was Psalm. I think it's Psalm 48, uh, verse one. I believe it is. Maybe 47. Anyway, said I was reading it, and it said, "Clap your hands, all you people! Shout unto God with the voice of triumph." And all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord said, "Don't just read it. Do it." I was all by myself in that house. I didn't have any problem clapping as loud as I could. But I, if I shouted, I was afraid the people next door could come lock me up for loony. But I kept 
practicing until I finally shouted to the top of my voice all in my house alone. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Don't just read the word, do it. And so when there's a blessing, if you read Revelation 1-3, that there's a blessing on somebody who reads that book, I challenge you to go home and read the book of Revelation out loud. Even if you do it by yourself. And then Francis happened to mention another one, and, I, and, and I, I got challenged by it all over again. For example, if you're reading in Acts 20, and oh, okay, let me stop, Don. Hold on a minute. Are you even reading the Word? Do you have a plan for reading the entire Word? Or are you just kind of skipping around reading once in a while? You need some kind of plan where you read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation over some kind of period of time, maybe it takes you five years. And you don't need to be reading in the Old Testament four, five times as much as you do the New. You need some kind of plan where you, for yourself, don't trust any speaker, I don't care who he is. You check Keith out when he's preaching. Check me out when I'm preaching. We don't trust people, we trust the Word of God. The men in, in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they, they received the Word of God and went to the Scriptures to see if what Paul was preaching was true. And so there's, so exalting the Word. Now, the other thing, okay, now put that on hold just a minute because let me go somewhere else and then come back to, the, to, to just the, the book of Acts. There's something going on. That's one thing that's going on in our area. God is challenging us to, to read the word. It was, Francis was saying the same thing that the week before you took segment of it. There were 80 different segments that were read into the atmosphere over Middle Tennessee so that the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation was being read into the atmosphere over Middle Tennessee. There was a third year in the row that we had done that. But there's something else that's going on. I, we're, this is the first Sunday since our president moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Almost everywhere I go, somebody's saying, you know, what's, what's your response to that? And I tell that I could give my response in a number of ways, but one is that for the first time in the history of the United States of America, we have a president who simply said what God said 3,000 years ago that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. We have a president who said the same thing that our Congress voted to do in 1995, but no president had done it. They'd always been deferring it. So why is that so important? I'll tell you why it's so important. You've read this before, but come on. Don't just read it, believe it. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And all people on earth will be blessed through you, Abram. Abram has descendants today. If we bless Israel, we will be blessed. I declare on the basis of President Trump's declaration and having moved the embassy to Jerusalem that the United States of America is going to come under some kind of blessing. And you need to lean into it. I don't know what that means, but I think we need to look for some kind of national blessing because the president has done what God told him to do. So 
So that's one of the things that we need to lead into. The other thing is, people are always asking me, what do, what do you see happening in Israel now with the whole Iran thing and Syria and Lebanon and all that kind of thing? What do you think is happening? And I say to them, I, I don't believe we're yet at the end because, and I'll go to there in a minute, let's see just a minute. Because here's what's going to happen in the end. I will gather all the nations into, in Jerusalem to fight against it. This is Zechariah 14. The city will be captured, the houses ransacked, the women raped, half the city will go into exile. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley, and so forth. And then on that day, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord in his name, the only name. Zechariah 14. Don't just read the book. Believe it. Zechariah says that the time is coming when every single nation will turn against Jerusalem. They're not there yet because our nation hasn't turned against Jerusalem. So we're not in Zechariah 14 yet. But if you see, but the time is coming I, in some of our lifetimes, maybe even in mine, when every single nation will turn against Jerusalem and just at the time when we, you need to get prepared for this in your heart. And just at the time when you think Israel is going to be totally wiped out, the Lord will come back with all of his holy angels, will fight against his feet, will literally touch the Mount of Olives. Come on, remember what those two angels said to the apostles when Jesus went up, he ascended? Remember what they said? He's coming back the same way you saw him go. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. I tell people I think there are two footprints over there where Jesus went back, and I think Jesus is going to touch that very spot when he comes back. And the Mount of Olives will split in two, and the Lord will become king over the whole earth. So, these are things that we look forward to. But what's happening today? I went back and reread this, and I'm confident that, that we, we may be in Zechariah 12 because I'm confident that Zechariah 12 describes the time when the nations turned against Jerusalem, but Israel comes out being victorious in this one. Let me read it for you. In Zechariah 12, verse uh, 2, I'm going to make Jerusalem, the, the nations will come against uh, Jerusalem. I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. Now, I think we're, we may be moving more where nations, and even though our president has not turned against Israel, there are many people in the United States that are against Israel and are on Palestinian side, and I'm not, I'm not anti-Palestinian. You can't, you can't be in God's house and hate anybody. We want the Palestinians to come to know Jesus. But we're... And so then he says, I will keep a watchful eye on the house of Judah, but I will bind all the horses of the nations. On that day, I will make the leaders of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will consume right and left all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. I think that may be where we are. And on that day, the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem so that the feeblest among you will become like David, and the house of David will be like God. And 
On that day I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they've pierced, and they will mourn for him. And on that day, a fountain will be opened in the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. The time is coming, pull over to Romans 11, when all Israel will be saved. Now, let me, I, I lived through the Jesus movement. One of the outstanding things that would happen during the Jesus movement that was that prophecy began to be fulfilled that had been laying, lying dormant for centuries. And that is that the Jewish people were going to come back to the Lord. In the United States of America during the Jesus movement, tens of thousands of Jewish young people became hippies along with all the tens and hundreds of thousands of hippies. But suddenly, out of the hippie movement that was throwing everything over like many people are today and many millennials are, throwing, all the, uh, throwing scripture out the window and they were doing that. But suddenly, out of the, out of the hippie movement, there rose the, the Jesus movement. And they called them Jesus freaks. And tens of thousands of them were Jewish people. So there was an opening Isaiah 6, I, you know, I, okay, uh, you got to be careful here. But anyway, I, you got to go read Isaiah 6, verse 8. If you want, check me out, check me out on this. Isaiah 6, verse 8 and following, I think, tells us that this is the day for Jewish people to come in faith. They did it in the Jesus movement. When communism fell, Jonathan Burness led all these festivals in former Soviet Union, and another tens of thousands of Jewish people in Russia came to the Lord. But today, it's time, and I've been praying this for decades, and it is time for Jewish people in Israel to have a revival. All right, let me tell you what's happened. This is from, there's a group of people that Todd McDowell left this morning to go to Israel to work with a group of people. One of them is Stephen Ugin. They're working with the most evangelistic people in Israel. One of them is Yaakov Damkani, if you've ever heard that name. And here's what, they're sending people out on the street just to witness to them about Jesus. In, in secular Tel Aviv, which is the perfect place to start because they've thrown everything over anyway. Kind of like the hippies in the, in, in the pre-Jesus movement. In Tel Aviv, one of our team members was walking down the road and noticed a Jewish lady bawling her eyes out. She then approached her and held her and asked her what had happened. She said, my father just died. So my friend sat there and just mourned with her and held her. And then she told her, I'm so sorry for your loss, but I have something to share with you that may give you hope if you're interested. She said, yes, please. So my friend shared the good news of eternal life that comes through Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. And the Jewish girl said, this is a divine appointment. This is what I need. This is what my family needs. The woman then calls her family that's all gathered together in sitting Sheva, the seven days after a Jewish death, in mourning. There were 78 people together and she had my friend share the gospel with all the family members on speakerphone. They all began to talk among themselves, and then they asked, how can we receive Jesus as our Messiah, 
how do we get born again? Now we're, we're talking, oh. So, where is it? Anyway, seven, all 78 of them prayed to receive Jesus. And they're plugging them into fellowship through Jacob Damkani. And then a few days forward, and he sent out another email, and he said, a few days after this, the word had so spread that 200 of them gathered together to be baptized. Now, that, I've, I've been going to Israel a long time. I've never known that to happen in that kind of, I believe it's the front domino of what's supposed to happen and that this is the beginning of. So pray with me on that. Okay, now I'm going to have to do this quicker than I hoped, but I wanted to read with you some of the, I want to read with just a couple of passages out of the Pentecost Sunday message that, that Peter brought so many years ago, and then just let's pray that in. One through four. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole room where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then verse, well, let me skip on down to, no, let me just pause there just a moment. The Holy Spirit was given those centuries back, and if there is anybody in this room that has not embraced the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you need to do it today. If you've not embraced the fullness of the Holy Spirit with all of the gifts, that doesn't mean you're going to get all the gifts right now, but you're yielding yourself to all the gifts. 1 Corinthians uh, 14.1 says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. What's prophesy? It's prophecy. It's looking into the heart of somebody and calling forth more than they see in themselves. It's speaking the word of God over somebody. And there's somebody in this room right now that's got a, got a word for somebody else in this room. And it means, it means a word of knowledge. You'll know something sometime that nobody told you. And you know what they're saying. This is all biblical. But I'm telling you, if you've never done that, lean into the fullness of the Holy Spirit with all the gifts. You're not going to be able to do all that God wants you to do if you don't lean into the fullness of His Spirit. And then... Skipping over to verse 14. Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and said, Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you and listen carefully. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, but it's only the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men and women will see visions, and your old men and women will dream dreams. Even on my service, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Learn, listen, pray to have dreams and visions. Pray for it. God didn't stop. Lean into it. Night dreams and day dreams. Some of my daydreams become more powerful than my night dreams. 
I mean, I see something and I don't even consider it necessarily a word from the Lord, but I start moving that direction, come to find out that was God. It's touching a base with people. And so pray into dreams and visions. Oh, I, I do have to read this one too. 36, 39. Where are we? When the people heard what Peter was preaching, this is verse 37, they were cut to the heart and they said, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all who will call upon the name of the Lord. I read that because is there, is there a place of repentance somebody needs? There's you're something you're doing, you know. The Holy Spirit's already told you it's wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. You should be forgiving somebody, for example. And don't wait for your emotions to forgive. You forgive with your will. And is there anybody here who's, who's following the Lord but you've never been baptized? Why wait? I'm sure it can be arranged this afternoon or soon. Let's, I mean, do everything God has called us to do. You move into. So now let's just, yeah, Michael, get on the keyboard. Yeah, just, just, just to, you remember that time when Elisha wanted to prophesy and call for the minstrel to get up there. Now, now, I just want you, I want you to, let's all stand up. And I want you to listen for the Holy Spirit. And if, for example, there's somebody here who's never received Jesus, you've never publicly acknowledged him, what did he say? He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Have you, ever, have you never confessed Jesus in, to some people that you believe in him? Well, then get up here and do it. If you've not been baptized, get up here. Let's make arrangements for that. If you want somebody to put hands on you, to pray for you, to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and, and, and all the gifts, I mean, get up here and do it. If somebody's stirring in you to go encourage somebody across the room, don't, come on, get out of the pew. Don't be bound by a pew. Let's love each other well. Let's minister to each other well. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. They're on, they're, the, Jesus said there are two greatest commandments, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor is yourself. On these two commandments, all the law and the prophets hang. So lean into these. Read the book. Do the book. Walk forth. Walk in strength. And so in Jesus' name, may the Lord bless all of you keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah, Prince of Peace.